Today in Canadian History for April the 5th, I'm Joe Barima. Householders and hotel keepers in the area were warned to open windows to avoid shattered glass. Tremors from the blast would be felt hundreds of miles away. As the zero hour approached, everyone waited. Work stopped in factories and boatyards as thousands of Colombians watched and listened for the explosion that would mean an end to the menace of Seymour Narrows. That was an old CBC clip from 1958 about the upcoming demolition of Ripple Rock. Ripple Rock was more or less an underwater mountain on BC's coast. It had twin peaks that lurked just below the water's surface in British Columbia's Seymour Narrows. After centuries of wreaking havoc on ships, it was decided that it was time for the mountain to go. So on this day back in 1958, Ripple Rock Mountain was blown to smithereens. At the time, it was the world's largest non-atomic explosion during peacetime. I spoke with Leisha Davis, executive director of the museum in Campbell River. I reached her there. Well, actually, as it sounds, it was a huge rock in Discovery Passage, and the tip of it could be seen at low tide. And it formed ripples. That's the name Ripple Rock. So everyone here fondly referred to it as Ripple Rock. But it was a quite an extreme marine hazard. Several lives were lost. Several ships went down because those who didn't know about it or had under or oversteered for it in a strong eddy would hit it and then uh, they would have damage to the boat and the boat would have to be rescued as well as the people. The tides are also incredibly strong. There's some of the strongest tides in the world. In fact, still with it being removed, some smaller boats won't go there because it can flip a boat. The tides are so strong. So, A, you couldn't take another route, and B, you had to be a good navigator and know about tides and when you could pass and where you could pass. And for a big boat, for instance, the cruise ships, there's no way they could go up um, if it hadn't been uh, blown up, because there wouldn't be room to go on either side of it. Now, deciding that the mountain had to go was fairly easy. Now, actually getting rid of it, that's an entirely different story. It took three separate attempts, one in 1943, one in 1945, and then finally successfully on this day back in 1958. The initial plans involved drilling barges and massive steel cables. A big barge, drilling barge, was floated over the rock and held in place by steel cables, and the plan was to drill holes into the top of the rock, load the holes with explosives, and blast it away. The contractors estimated the work would take about three months, but the barge quivered and tossed, and they realized that's not going to be stable enough to proceed. All right, so then how did it, how did it eventually come down? What took down the mountain? They actually tunneled, um, so a base camp was um, established and connected a causeway between the nearest island and three shafts of hard rock miners worked around the clock and um, dug down two meters a day to sink a 174-meter shaft. Yeah, and so then 1,400 tons of nitromix um, explosives, 10 times the amount needed for a similar explosion above water, were packed into the tunnels. The amazing thing is, there weren't even any... Uh, people were warned to evacuate, people were warned to flee and take their children away. 
Um, and it, it really just blew up. It was a 10-second explosion. They didn't even find any damaged marine life. It was a major coup for the engineering team. And some of those engineers are still alive and are going to be coming to our unveiling of um, the, it is being declared a historic event. a local legend, but also people here fondly remember it. People still go out to see where it was done, and fishermen who come and get a guided fishing tour, visitors from around the world, when they find out about it, they come running to the museum to say, oh, we just found out about Ripple Rock, can we see the film on it? And there's something about explosions, I think, that makes it a legend. As always, today is a day full of Canadian history. Author Guy Vanderhaeg was born on this day back in 1951 in Saskatchewan. And on this day back in 1917, BC women won the right to vote in provincial elections. This right was not extended to women of First Nations or Asian descent. And as always, on this day we aired this episode of Today in Canadian History. Today in Canadian History is produced by CJSW at 90.9 FM in Calgary. The executive producers are Joe Burima and Mark Affeld. Original music is provided by the Fisk, Fletcher, and May Trio. This series is not meant to be a definitive source on our past. Instead, we hope that it sparks a desire to learn more about our unique history. For more information on the series, or to recommend an event or moment, check out our website at cgswcom slash todayincanadianhistory. Yes, there was no way that we were going to finish this episode without hearing the explosion. Then, off went the signal rocket. And at 9.31 a.m. Pacific Time, off went the top of Ripple Rock. The blast was a complete success lowering the top of Ripple Rock to nearly 50 feet below the surface at low tide.